peace. This morning, we are discussing peace. <clears throat> when I say peace, what's the, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Don't, don't shout it out, but when I say peace, what do you think of, first of all? I was talking to some folks a little bit earlier, some of the students, and like me, I think uh, this is the last week of school I just finished, so I'm ready for some peace. Uh, sometimes we think of uh, inner peace, right? Um, kind of a peace of mind, rest, contentment. Um, maybe you try to find inner peace by reading books or going for walks in the park or talking to someone or taking a vacation, whatever. There's this inner peace maybe uh, that you think of that we <clears throat> oftentimes are striving for. Um, if you watch the news at all, you mention peace, you might think immediately of the Middle East or Ukraine, right? Uh, things that are going on around the world, maybe Washington, uh, our own city. We think of an end to war. We think of an end to conflict. Um, maybe we think of Uncle Bob bringing up politics at Thanksgiving. Maybe some of your families need some peace uh, this morning around the table. Um, but from the garden and the conflict that we see with Adam and Eve and God there in the garden and then Cain and Abel, from the very beginning all the way to today, war and conflict has been a part of the human story. It's been a, it's been a part of all of our lives. We sign peace treaties, right? We make agreements. We march. We protest. We resist, all in the name of peace. And yet, somehow the war rages on. Wars rage on. Well, at Christmas... Praise God, we have a reminder that there is good news. There is peace. Peace has come in the Prince of Peace in Jesus. And so I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 9. <clears throat> we looked at Isaiah chapter 9 last week and we spoke, uh, we talked about hope, the hope um, that Christ brings. And this morning, I want us to look at one verse, verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. And it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, <clears throat> and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise that peace is available. Peace has been made possible, God, by your initiative by your love, your grace, by your action, God. Lord, encourage us this morning. Remind us this morning where peace is found. In Christ's name, amen. Um, this, in Isaiah chapter 9, you know, all through Isaiah, we have this prophecy. Isaiah has come to Israel to give them some uh, bad news. The judgment is coming, but also some good news. There is hope coming as well. And this is considered one of the what we call messianic prophecies. It's speaking not only of Israel's um, temporary circumstances in that moment, but it's speaking of the coming Savior. It's coming of the coming of the Messiah. It's a message of hope, even though Israel's headed for captivity. It's a message of hope, even though you and I live in a world that's fallen and struggles. This is a message for you and for me that there is a Savior. There is the Prince of Peace. This brokenness, this conflict, these wars that you and I continue, continually are unable to solve and to 
put an end to. This is not God's desire. It's not God's desire that the world be like this. It was his design for us to live in peace. And when God looks at our condition, inward, outward, in every way, it grieves him. It breaks his heart. It matters to God, our peace. And he demonstrated that through Christ. And he demonstrated that in a very particular, uh, in many ways, but there's a, one particular moment that I want to call our attention to this morning. It's in Luke chapter 19, um, where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, right? And everyone has just uh, laid their coats on the ground. They've laid palm branches and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We think about that on Palm Sunday. But there's an interesting passage of scripture right there. When Jesus comes um, to this steep slope into Jerusalem and looks over the city, Luke chapter 19 says this, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now... They are hidden from your eyes. As I said, Jesus is coming in on the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. And there's uh, even today, there's a small church there called uh, the Church of Dominus Flevit, which means the Lord wept in Latin. It's a tear-shaped, tear uh, teardrop-shaped little church. And it's there to commemorate the moment when Jesus wept coming into Jerusalem, seeing Jerusalem. The city of peace is what Jerusalem means. And it's been anything but, even though Jesus knew that coming just a few years from then, just about 40 years from that time, Jerusalem would be completely besieged by Rome, completely destroyed. The temple would be completely brought down, except for the Wailing Wall. And according to Josephus, who was a Jewish historian at the time, and the main source of that war in 70 AD that brought down Jerusalem, he says, he wrote, the city was ravaged by murder, famine, and cannibalism. This is right after Jesus resurrected. Peace. Jesus came, and where was the peace? This is not really what we think about when we think of peace, right? So what is this peace that Jesus is talking about? Well, I mentioned there's three aspects. Usually when we think about peace, we think about external peace, peace in the world, peace with people around us, this relationship with people around us. We also think of internal peace. I mentioned that, this, this uh, peace of mind, this emotional, psychological health and rest. But unfortunately, there is a important aspect of peace that unfortunately is often neglected by all of us, and it is neglected by the world, for sure, we can see it by the condition of the world. And it's what Scripture describes as shalom. Shalom with God, peace with God. We have our external peace, there's internal peace, but there's this peace with God. And we're going to look at these three aspects this morning um, and look at how Jesus is not only able to provide all three of these, but in fact, the Savior who's come at Christmas is the only way to achieve any of that peace. And we're going to see just 
how Scripture says that Jesus does that. And as the title states this morning, first of all, oh, we jump past, I, I figured it was up there, right? First of all, peace. That was the title. Um, first of all, shalom. Shalom with God is first and foremost if we're going to have any kind of peace. And so the peace that the Prince of Peace came to bring is first of all peace with God, this shalom. The English translation is very narrow. It means uh, to be without conflict or war. But the Hebrew meaning, the original language, meant to make something whole, completeness. Now, you may hear it um, today with your Jewish neighbors or, or, uh, or others even. Um, I've said it before. It's, it's like a greeting. It's kind of like, uh, hello. You'll, you'll hear people say, um, shalom. Basically, it means, I hope things go well for you or Hope you have a good day. May things, good things come to you or good luck, right? But the truth is we use this as a greeting and as a farewell, but the thing is we leave each other and things don't necessarily go well, right? We say, hey, shalom, good luck. And we walk away and we're still living in a world of brokenness. Life happens. Why is that? No matter how hard we try as a human race, as a society, as just a human trying to get through life and be a good person, do the right thing, yet again and again we find ourselves in conflict and in heartbreak. Well, first of all, we see in Scripture the loss of shalom. God created us at the beginning in a state of peace with Him in the garden. See, the root of all our conflicts today, all the wars externally, inwardly, geopolitically, psychologically, in our families, in our community, is the loss of shalom with God. In the garden, God created this perfect, complete place of peace. He placed man in, in the world, in that garden, and he looked and said, all is good, all is complete. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. See, all was peace until sin entered the world. Until we rebelled against God. Until man decided to seek our own peace on our own terms. And with it, death and conflict and war. Right after this, we see Cain and Abel, brothers killing one another. This is when shalom was lost. Ever since then, you and I, every one of your ancestors and mine, have sought to find peace apart from God. And we've struggled in this world, and we get what we got. And so what happened was shalom was lost. God designed us and created us to have peace in this world and peace with one another. But it begins with peace with him, Because what happened when Shalom was lost with God was we became enemies of God. That is the real war that's raging in every one of us, that's raging in every one of our neighbors. And the effects are felt all over the earth in every relationship, in every argument, in every broken relationship, in every heart filled with hate. It's the cause of pollution and hunger, storms. Earthquakes, serial killers, abusive parents, spouses, selfishness, harsh words, anger, impatience, 
all because of a war with God, this conflict that we are in with God. And you may say, well, I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel like I'm at war with God. Well, what matters is his perspective. And what happened in the garden was we became the enemies of God. Here's the language that scripture uses in several places. Romans 5.10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. He says we were enemies. That's how he refers to us. Romans 8, 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It's hostility. James 4, 4, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Isaiah 64, 6, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Now, this is uncomfortable. This is the uncomfortable part of the message this morning. Because, yes, God is a God of love and grace, but He's also a God of holiness and righteousness and perfection. And He designed you and I to walk in righteousness. He didn't design us to war with one another, He didn't design us to war with Him. He designed us for communion with Him, for relationship with Him, to love God and love our neighbors. But we have rebelled and rejected that from the beginning. And so we see to understand peace and how to find peace, first we have to understand that it, it has been taken or we have given it away. We have betrayed peace. We've lost shalom in the world. But the good news of Christmas is, the message of hope is, there is a restoration of that shalom with God first and foremost. The message of Christmas is God has taken the initiative. He saw us, he sees us in our rebellion, and he comes for us. That's the message this morning. Wherever you're at in your relationship with God, whether you're near or far, he's coming for you. He's coming for you in this message, in his word. He's coming for you this morning. He wants you closer to him. He wants you to walk in this shalom, this peace. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us shalom was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He took it upon himself to bring peace to us. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is God's solution for our enmity with him, our war with him. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For in him, all the fullness, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus came to bring reconciliation. This is the peace treaty that lasts forever. He's come to make peace with you and with me, to reconcile to himself all things. This is the key to peace in the world. This is the key to peace in the Middle East. This is the key to peace in Washington. This is the key to peace with Uncle Bob at Thanksgiving. The peace within me is reconciliation, first and foremost, with God through Christ. And God didn't have to do it, right? He could have destroyed us, simply started over, but he came to us through Jesus to bring peace. Christmas is the opening of the greatest gift. For God so loved the world that he gave. He came to bring us peace with 
Him first and foremost. That's key. As Jesus looked over Jerusalem that day, it says, He wept over it saying, Would that you even, you had known this day the things that make for peace. Let me ask you this morning. Do you know what makes for peace? Are you reconciled with God through Jesus Christ? That is the peace that you are struggling for. You may think it's a job. You may think it's school. You may think it's a relationship. It's First and foremost is peace with God. That's where we start. We begin right there. If you're living in conflict with God Almighty, this morning you can't win. It doesn't get better eventually. He continues to pursue. He continues to to call. The emptiness, struggle to find peace and satisfaction will not go away. And at Christmas time, so many are depressed. So many just don't like it because it feels like a haze and can't really figure out why. It's because there's all these messages and songs about peace and we really know there is no peace. Somewhere we don't see the peace. We don't, we don't know that peace of Jesus Christ. And so it, we don't see it in any of our relationships or in our own hearts. Listen, today God is holding out peace to you. Again, trust Him. Put your faith in Him. He brings reconciliation. He alone. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. It is, it is faith. Putting our faith not in ourselves but in God. Don't go through life struggling with the Creator. Submit yourself to Him. Submit your control to Him. Read a story recently of Svetlana Stalin, who was um, the daughter of Joseph Stalin. And she tells the story that he was on his deathbed and he was plagued with terrifying hallucinations and laying there and she was at his bedside. She said, suddenly, he suddenly sat halfway up in bed, clenched his fist toward the heavens once more, fell back upon his pillow and was dead. The war was still raging in Stalin. It was his mission to eliminate any belief in God. It was, his, it was his mission to war against God to the last breath. That war is raging in so many today. And sometimes we don't even know it. There are many of our neighbors, many people walking up and down the street right now that don't realize that is what's happening, but that is what's happening and so I encourage you, I ask you this morning, do not swing out into eternity shaking your fist at God, turning your back on Him. Today He offers peace. And Christian, this morning, this is our anchor. This is where true peace is. This is where we find rest in a stormy, difficult, fallen world. Our strength in weakness at Christmas and every day throughout the year, I can have peace I know peace if I know Jesus. I have shalom with God and I can live with hope. John 16, 33 says this. I have told you these things so that in me, Jesus said, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. That goes for Christians, non-Christians. That goes for all of us. You will have trouble. Expect it. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What he's saying is, I'm not pulling you out of the world. I'm not pulling you out of struggles. What I will do is give you peace in the midst of the struggle. And so, when Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
What he was saying was he will bring peace. He is bringing peace with God Almighty. He's bringing peace with your creator. If you don't know that peace this morning, the rest of this message won't make sense. That war has been won. He calls us to put our faith in him for that peace. So Jesus came as the Prince of Peace to bring peace with God, but also peace within. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. As Jesus looked over Jerusalem that day as he was coming in, he saw the people of God, the Jewish nation, who God had reached out to time and time again. He had reached through to reveal himself to the world. He had led them out of captivity in Egypt. He led them through the Red Sea, across the Jordan, into the Promised Land. He revealed himself through the prophets, through the law. He had been faithful to his promise to bring a savior, and yet they rejected him. They chose politics. They, sh they chose power. They chose nationalism, religion, tradition, self-preservation over peace. They were conflicted. Remember Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, one of the religious leaders. He, he wasn't sure if he should trust him. He was conflicted. The rich young ruler said, I've learned all these things. I'm a good Jewish boy, but something's missing still. And Jesus said, follow me. And he said, well, that I can't do. There was a time in my life as a young child that I put my faith in Christ for salvation, to take away my sins, to to bear my sins, and then I got into high school and the voice of the world, the voice of my friends, the voice of the media got stronger and stronger. Instead of pressing into Jesus, I began to, to seek other things. Instead of looking to Christ, I began to look at my desires, my flesh. I began to allow sin to push Jesus off the throne of my heart, and I was living in turmoil inwardly, questioning my faith, angry at the world. I was destructive in relationships. I was fighting for myself, my rights, my pride, instead of trusting in Jesus. We talked about this past week in our small group that sometimes the lack of peace is a lack of contentment. I was discontent. I was no longer satisfied with Jesus. My world grew bigger and bigger as I grew older and my responsibilities grew. I saw more difficulty in my life, and so I began to get my eyes on those things and off of Jesus. And the things and the people of this world began to take center stage. And what happens when we get our eyes off Christ? We begin to share the throne of our hearts with the world and with the, the desires of our flesh. We find ourselves drifting, slipping. The psalmist calls sin a slippery slope, step by step. And the world applauds it. The world says you deserve more. You deserve more. You ought to work harder. You ought to, you ought to be given more. And so we buy into that lie and then we begin to lose that peace inwardly. Jesus came not only to make peace with the Father, but to give us peace within. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Listen, this morning, where, where is your mind stayed? What is at the front of your thought life? 
what are you inputting into your mind, into your brain? I mean, social media, I did a bunch of research and it just got overwhelming. I didn't, I'm, I'm not going to put much in here except social media is, is, has a hold on our society, has a hold on our world right now. And studies show that it's just increasing, increasing, online bullying, body, gender dysphoria, lack of sleep, depression, anxiety, on and on and on. Discontent. It sows discontent in us when we get our mind and eyes off of Jesus on the things of this world. We're in a mental health crisis. Right now I'm working on a degree in, in biblical counseling and all the studies and all the things. And it's, I get out of class sometimes and I'm just a little depressed myself. It's like, what is happening to the world? But we all see it. We're all part of it. We all struggle with that because brokenness is everywhere. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Listen, this is not a metaphor. It's not just for some people. It's a very practical word here. If you will look to and fix your eyes on Jesus this morning, whatever else is going on in your life, if you know him and will walk with him, include him in your life, worship him, he will work in your heart and mind and in your life. Is your time with Jesus slipping? Because it will. I can testify to that. He came to bring us peace with him and to walk in a relationship with him. That he might carry our burdens. He might calm our fears. He will strengthen us. Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, walk with Christ this morning. Because knowing the Prince of Peace and fixing my eyes on him means I have the confidence the security of knowing that I am loved. Whatever else is happening, I am loved. I'm created with a purpose. I'm created in the image of a loving father who sees me and knows me. His promises are true. He has a plan for me. He cares for me. When the rest of the world turns its back, he is there. Listen, that matters. That doesn't mean that our other struggles aren't real. Of course they are. We're gonna, we're gonna be in this fallen world, the results of sin. Are generational at times. We're going we're gonna to wrestle with those things, but he calls us, continue to fix your eyes on Jesus. Steady your mind on me. Let me walk with you through this. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He meant that for all of us. So shalom with God, peace with one another. I mean, peace uh, within and peace without with one another. Externally. He came to bring peace. See, when we don't have peace with God, we're a little off. The world is wobbling a little bit. Things are not quite right. And it just, just like a ship that's just off course, it just continues to, to go farther and farther away from our original design and purpose. We are on that ship. When Jesus looked over the city, he saw the opposite of peace. He saw racism and classism. He saw the divide and hatred between Jew and Gentile. He saw Roman hatred for the people. He saw the religious taking the honored seats and the needy and undesirable left to fend for themselves. Laying around the pool of Bethesda where no respected citizen would find themselves. And Jesus' response was this. He had compassion. He grieved 
because they did not know what real peace was. It was him. Today, Jerusalem is anything but the city of peace. It's become the city of conflict for centuries. See, Jesus came to restore mankind to God and take the punishment for man and our sinfulness, yes. But that peace of God comes with a gift, one of many, the Spirit of God living within me, right? The power of God producing fruit in my life, producing love and joy and peace in my life. It is God and should be evident of his children. Love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit. That is who he is. And when we walk with him, when we have peace with him, we're finding our rest in him. He produces that in us to the world around us. Peace with others. We st we're studying on Wednesday nights the Beatitudes, and this past week was blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God. Right? We had a great conversation about that. Jesus was saying, they represent me. Those peacemakers represent me. They are sons of God. See, on my own, I don't have that gene. I don't have the peacemaking gene on my own in my flesh. I have the pride gene. I have the self-centered gene. But in Jesus, his spirit in me, I have a new way of thinking and acting. Yes, I fight it sometimes. I grieve the spirit, right? But his spirit is within me, working in me, seeking to work through me to the people around me. Ephesians 2.14 for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He's talking to Jews and Gentiles. He's saying, listen, there's no need to war anymore. Jesus came that we might have peace with him and peace with one another. The walls of hostility have been broken. Jeremiah 6.14 is an interesting passage of scripture there. It says, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Jeremiah also was delivering a message of judgment on Jerusalem to a people who wanted a message of peace. But because of their sin, they were headed for captivity. They were headed for destruction. But the other leaders, as he was given this message, said, no, 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 everything is fine. There's no judgment. We're all good. You're good. I'm good. Everything's fine. We've got this under control. We're headed for better days. Just trust us. Jeremiah was saying, no, what you call peace is not peace. And in the world, we sign treaties and make agreements. We try to, we try to heal friendships and relationships from the brokenness there. And whatever we do to do that, some people, we were talking about this the other night, some people apologize really quickly, other people it takes longer to apologize, whatever, we're trying to heal these relationships. Without Jesus at the center of it, without me seeking to please him first and foremost, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to seek me. What's logical? As long as the world rejects the Prince of Peace and seek it in what we can do, we'll never find it. And that's, so, that's why it's so critical that the church, the people of God, continue to demonstrate and communicate the message of shalom with God Almighty through the Prince of Peace. He is what makes for peace. Otherwise, we're just shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic, right? 
We're just making agreements, drawing borders, doing all these things, having conversations, but there's no real peace. And Christian, even as that happens all around us, we must stay steadfast in keeping our eyes on Christ. Knowing, confident that he is working in the world. He's working through my life. He is, he is holding out true peace and he wants to work in you. See, when, we're, when we see the hurting around us, when we see the wars around us, we should see as Jesus sees. He wept. He grieved. His heart was broken. He looked, lo looked on the crowds and had compassion. Let me challenge you this morning, Christian. Be an activist for peace. I'm not talking about joining the Peace Corps or protesting in Times Square. As a Christian, be an activist in your own life. God has put you around brokenness. And sometimes for the sake of peace, we don't say certain things. Or we don't go in certain places. And we should be seeking the discernment of the Holy Spirit of when to speak and when not to speak. Because it's not always, it, the moment doesn't always call for you to clobber somebody over the head with the Bible, right? But we should see ourselves as these ministers of reconciliation, of carrying the peace, the shalom. We know even as people war and they try to find solutions and we're involved in those conversations and all those things, we know at the heart of the matter is a brokenness before God. It's war with God. So this is how you're an ambassador for peace. Love Jesus first and foremost. Make sure that you are loving Jesus. He is at the center. Listen, if you want, if you want satisfaction at your, in your career, love Jesus. If you want a good marriage, love Jesus. If you want satisfaction in your friend group, love Jesus. Put, that, put him first and foremost. Love your neighbor. In loving Jesus, he calls us to love our neighbor. doesn't matter what they look like, where they've been, where they're from, where they're headed. None of that matters. Love as Jesus loves. And look for opportunities every day to share the Prince of Peace, the message of hope, because he is the only hope. Listen, we're not going to best friend people to heaven. They need to hear the truth and so just pray that God be in a conversation with God that he would open up those doors as they see peace in your life but listen if they don't see the peace of God in your life even in the midst of struggles we all struggle that doesn't mean hiding our struggles from from people that don't know Christ it means living with them out letting them know hey I, I have struggles I have difficulties as well but let them see the peace that passes understanding in the midst of that peace even as the tears fall I have peace. And here's the hard truth this morning as we conclude. At the heart of war, at the heart of our conflict and our discontentment, the heart of not having peace is idolatry. Because what I'm doing is I'm replacing the Prince of Peace with, you fill in the blank. I'm, cho I'm choosing to find my peace in other things, and I'm not content with fixing my eyes on Jesus, and so I'm removing him from the throne, and I'm putting some, something else there. Listen, what in your life has the power to steal your peace? 
Think about it. What has the power to just really throw you off, to throw you into a panic? What keeps you up at night? What gets you the most upset? Because in that, there may be an idol, even good things. And Jesus, when he comes into our lives, his spirit comes in our he's constantly working to remove those idols. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Sometimes he's going to put it right in my face. Sometimes it's going to be even, even more conflict. It's going to be even harder. We're going to think, what? it's not subsiding. Because he wants to work in me to sacrifice that idol, to say, no, I'm going to keep my eyes on Christ. Listen, do not seek peace in something that you can lose this morning. Only Christ gives true peace. And so you may say, well, I mean, what's my motivation then? Like, can I be driven to work and can I, can I you know, hope for things? And of course. But work as one who is seeking to please Jesus. Work as one who finds his value and his peace in Christ and not in the work, not in my boss, not in any of those things. Be a good husband to honor Jesus. Be a good spouse. Be a good friend. Be a good student. Work hard to honor the Lord in your life. Keep Him as number one. Look at all your relationships and how they, how they honor Jesus in your life. What will please you, Lord God? That doesn't mean, I'm not saying sit around all day and, and, and not do anything. I'm saying, yes, be motivated, but your motivation comes from the peace that I have in Jesus, knowing that my life is in His hands. He is everything to me. He is my shalom. I have peace with Him. I have peace within. I have peace with those around me, even though I go through struggles, even though I wake up some days and I just feel terrible, and I'm bummed out about this or that or the things that are going on around me or whatever it is, I know where home is. I know where the place to run is. It's Jesus. And I wish I could tell you this morning that if you just say, okay, Jesus, Lord, I, I put you number one today. I'm going to fix my eyes on you. You are everything to me. And then you walk out this door and it's like, all right, let me just stay in this peace. It, that's not how it works. <laughs> the peace is within. We have that when you have Christ. You have shalom. You have peace with God. And you have the Holy Spirit of God. But the attacks come. And the attacks are not just from outside. The attacks are my flesh. My own, my own mind, my own pride attacks me at times. There's a continually running back to Jesus. There's a continually setting Him as Lord in my life, first and foremost. That's the way we have peace, even in the difficult times. There's a story of a, a man named Heru Onoda. Um, he was assigned to a jungle, a remote jungle, in the Philippines back in World War II. And he stayed there for 30 more years after the war was over, thinking the war was still happening. He was hiding. The article I read said he remained hidden in the wilderness among stinging ants and snakes, living on a diet of banana skins, coconuts, and stolen rice, convinced that the enemy was trying to starve him out. He murdered islanders and anyone he saw as an intruder. In his memoirs, after his rescue, he wrote this quote. He had developed 
so many fixed ideas that we were unable to, that I was unable to understand anything that did not conform to those ideas. He had hidden himself away. He had continued in this war. And then even when the signs came, even when the flyers came out of planes saying, the war is over. He didn't believe because it didn't fit what he wanted. His, his, his mindset was fixed. He was not willing to surrender his mindset. He's not ready to surrender his position to have peace. And this morning, there's many who are holding on to this war. They're fighting for their rights. They're fighting to get ahead. We're fighting God Almighty. Are you fighting to find peace? It's about surrender this morning. It's about faith. Listen, are you living in broken, dysfunctional relationships this morning because you're looking for peace in other people? Are you looking for peace in the temporary circumstances of your life and the, the next job or the next phase of your career? Are you waiting for Washington to give us peace? Forget about it. Christian, are you walking in shalom this morning? Are you trusting in and pressing into Jesus? Are you growing in that relationship? As the pressure grows around you, are you running to Jesus for that peace that passes understanding? At Christmas, the message is hope and peace. As I close, I remember as Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple and he was still little to dedicate him in the temple. You remember who was there, Simeon and Anna? Simeon was there and he saw Jesus come in with his parents and he was celebrating. He's like, here he is. God has fulfilled his promise. And Simeon lifts his voice and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Let me just encourage you this morning. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the gift to the world. He is the gift of shalom that God saw us in our brokenness, our division, our chaos. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, full, lasting, complete peace. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. God, thank you at Christmas. What a great reminder as we sing these songs about peace and hope and joy. In this time of the year, God, we are reminded that you have provided that for life, for every day. And God, some of us this morning, all of us, there are competing idols in our lives. There are things that are competing for, for lordship in our lives and in our hearts. This morning, God, there are things that if we lose or if, or if they get broken or if they get lost or, or, or whatever the case may be, that we lose our peace. And God, that is not your desire. That is not your will for us. Jesus came that we might have peace. We might have peace, never ending. Even though we walk through the shadow, valley of the shadow of death, God, we will not fear. And God, that's easier said than done. And so this morning, we know that it's nothing that we can produce on our own. We cannot conjure up this morning. But God, we just come to you. We place our faith in you, fresh and anew this morning. We lay our lives before you. Lord, we ask you, invade every corner of our hearts. 
every dark and shadowed corner, those compartments that we have saved for ourselves, that we have protected and kept off limits from you. Lord God, come into every area of our hearts. And God, bring peace. And we seek you to be Lord of every area of our hearts and lives. We know that's the only way to have true peace and shalom, God. Thank you, Lord, that it's found in you and not in what we can do or in ourselves. And we pray all this in in the precious name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen. All right. A couple announcements before we close. Uh, Christmas party next or this Wednesday. This Wednesday night, we're going to have it right here. And we'll have some great food and just great hanging out, just very casual. Uh, Maybe we'll sing some Christmas carols and we'll just kind of, it'll just kind of be in the front uh, living room area there. And it's just going to be a great time, a fun time. So if you would register, if you know that you're going to be there, you might come. That just helps us with food. If you don't show up, that's all right. I mean, if you don't sign up but still come, that's okay. We're not going to run you out. Uh, But we want you to come. It's just going to be a great time. So there'll be no small groups this week, Monday night or Wednesday night. Uh, We're going to have this uh, party together. What time did we say that party is? Seven. Seven? It's going to be at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, okay? Uh, Right here. And also, Jonathan's getting married Wednesday. So they won't be here. Yes. Then he and Jenny will go on their honeymoon, spend a little time away, and then they'll be here together. They'll be sitting right there with Jenny. Awesome. So we'll be praying for you guys, too. Congratulations. Uh, Connect card, if you've never filled out one of those, please do. We get to know you. Get online. We're on there, I'm told. Um, Christmas offering. Every year, uh, we try to take a Christmas offering, a special offering uh, for a particular uh, ministry. And uh, this year, we are taking up, uh, we're going to be taking up an offering for Send Relief, which is an organization that works throughout the world. um, And they provide... Uh, water for villages, they provide uh, needs uh, of children, and just, you know, you can buy a chicken for a family and all kinds of stuff. There's a catalog sitting on the table out there that you can look through if you want to kind of browse through it. What we're going to do is it, um, we will communicate about it and, and choose a few things to give to, and then we will take uh, an offering between now, we won't uh, take one, we'll have a QR code next week. We'll take um, offering between now and or now and Wednesday night. Okay, Wednesday night. Okay, sorry, that's still between now and sometime. Um, Wednesday night, <laughs> we will take the. You'll be able to give to that offering on this Wednesday night at the party, and then next Sunday morning we'll give you those two opportunities. And whatever we collect, uh, we'll make clear where it's going. Uh, it's going to go uh, to one of those uh, ministries there. So. And then if that's separate from your regular giving, and uh, so if you want to give a gift or offering, um, that's the QR code to do that. All right, I have got to get someone else to do these announcements at the end of the service. <laughs> Let me pray for us as we dismiss. God, thank you for your love and grace. Lord, even as I look across this room uh, at the lights and just the, the, the celebration that is Christmas, Lord, I'm reminded of your goodness and your faithfulness, and we're reminded of your gifts Most of all, a child that was born, wonderful counselor, almighty God, a prince of peace, our savior who came to rescue us. Lord, may that be the front of our minds at this time of the year and all through the year, God. 
May we find our peace in Jesus. Lord, thank you for your love and grace. In his name we pray, amen.